Well, experience can be quite the teacher, I think. And I think sometimes experience can either help us make good decisions and other times our poor experience can help us or solidify poor choices or sometimes lead to callousing our hearts. Wasn't that terribly long ago I got a phone call at church here and uh, pick up the call and it was, it was by somebody you could tell had some mileage on them. Uh, this person went off for a long time about needing to talk to a pastor because they want to talk about God. They were tired of living for this and being beaten up by the world. They just needed to have a, 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 a confidential opportunity to talk to a pastor. It's one of those that I just don't know. You know, it's, okay, well, why don't we meet together? What's your name again? Doug. Okay, Doug, come on by. And Doug came into my office, and sure enough, the very voice that sounded like it had, had some mileage on it, you could tell by his skin and by his face that there's some mileage. You could see that it had been weathered by experience, uh, by lots of hard work, but also some abuse and some drug abuse and all that other stuff. His tattoos said a whole lot about him too, and he was just chatting with me across, the, uh, across my office, talking about he's tired of it, he wants God to do this, wants God to do that, and wants God to do this. And I said, okay, stop for a second, Doug. I hear you keep, you keep mentioning God, but I haven't heard Jesus yet. What, where's Jesus in this equation? Well, I don't know. Okay, well, let's talk about Jesus for a second, I said. Now, Jesus is, he's the link to get us right with God. God has good things for you in store. In fact, right now, what you're telling me is your heart, you want to connect with God. And you're tired of living and being a slave to the world. But Jesus is the key that actually, he died on the cross to set you free, Doug. And when you have a relationship with Jesus, you can connect back with the God of the universe. And he actually wants a relationship with you. Do you think, yeah, before I could even get out the question, you know, it was like, ah, he was jumping all over it. So, you know, you never know where this is going to go. But we, we sat there and we prayed together. And this guy was pumped, talked a mile a minute, just like me. But this, whoa, this guy talked fast and hard. And then uh, I gave him, I kind of thought, oh, okay, I'll, I'll give him my text number. Well, he texted me probably five to seven times a week. And it was cool because I thought, I'm going to put him in a discipleship program. No program could cover this guy because he came at me with a million questions. So I'd be texting and we'd meet together and we'd meet together again. I'd try and pull out a book and all, his questions trumped everything. But it was so cool because I could see his appetites change. I could see that even he talked about he'd bring a Bible to work and he'd have a Bible in the truck, he'd have a Bible in his lunch kit. And then he'd be on a, a rough construction crew doing all sorts with big equipment. He'd have a minute, he'd open his, his lunchbox, he'd pull out his Bible. He says, what does this mean, Steve? And it was just like unbelievable. His appetites were changing. His, his view when it comes to relationships, when it comes to sex, when it comes to any kind of activity he was about. It was just like, what? Dudes, this is what, this is why I became pastor, right? This is the kind of thing why I became a pastor. So it was interesting because he became a Christian and he lived happily ever after. <laughs> right, you know, dot, dot, dot. So it was interesting to walk with him and all of a sudden I get this phone call and he gets one phone call because he's stuck in the ER. He checked himself in because life was really sucking for a while. He lost his job, lost a place to live. He's living in his car in weather like this and he's about to snap. So he checks himself in and he's not doing well. I walk in and it was quite interesting because he's wearing one of those pretty fancy gowns <laughs> that nobody wants to be seen in. I walk in. Steve! And he gives me a big old man hug, you know? I'm like, oh, right? So we chat for a while. I chat with the social worker and stuff, and then he tells me this question that I've heard a million times. Steve, I could use some money. 
right, right? But, and I could be calloused because I've been ripped off, I've been lied to big time. But I thought, okay, Doug, how much do you need? I need 200 bucks. I said, okay, let me see what I can do. So I went and I went to the bank machine, gave him 200 bucks cash, and he says, I'll get it back to you. I have no idea if I'd get it back. Well, he was let out, and then he got a job, and he got a place to live. And then pretty soon, he actually went up north for a job. And I got this phone call. And he says, Steve, right at the church. I said, not right now. Well, you got to go there. I got family waiting there with 200 bucks. Wow. So it was really cool to see that, right? And finally, when he came back down here, and this is where the story kind of gets unwowing, but um, he came back here. And he was doing some work. And then when he was on King's George Highway, he ended up getting in a head-on collision and died right there. But you guys, for three quarters of a year, he stopped being a slave to the world and he gave his life to Christ. And it was like you could watch him change in his appetites, in his relationships, in how he talked and what he was interested in. He had changed. So in three quarters of a year, the course of his life was unbelievably changed. He went from, like I said, serving and being conformed to the world by being transformed by the renewing of his mind. And now I'm going to see that brother again someday. Isn't that cool? Yes. And you guys, no program can do that. And uh, obviously it's a positive story, but um, I want us to see that no matter what, you can't, you can't rely on a program. You can't rely on a program in your church to do something that you are called to do personally. People need people. People don't necessarily need programs. Programs are good, but I'm saying that discipleship and compassionate action is going to work with persons, not programs. Persons, not programs. There's a story that was told a long time ago that there was a huge storm that ended up washing up a whole bunch of starfish onto the beach and people just came, they couldn't believe what was going on. And they've never seen the likes of it before or since. But it was littered. And there was this cute little girl, she was just going, picking up one starfish at a time and winging it into the ocean uh, just like a frisbee. And lots of people were watching. And finally, one wise man, an adult, came to this little girl and gets on one knee. Little girl, what you doing? Well, I'm throwing all these starfish back into the ocean. And he just helped her understand how useless of a feat that was. She's, he just really said, you know what, look at all these starfish. You're really not going to make any difference. You might as well just sit back and enjoy what's going on now. But really, I can't see it making any difference what you're doing. She actually stopped and felt crushed. Good old adults, what we do to some kids sometimes, right? And there she thought for a minute, a few moments. And then she finally bent down and she picked up another one and flung it and another and flung it. And then she turned around and she just, as she flung another one, turned to that man and said, well, you know, it makes a difference for this one. And it makes a difference for this one. And it makes a difference for this one. The old man looked at the girl inquisitively and thought about what she had done and said, and, 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 and was inspired by it. Because, like I said, compassionate action happens one person at a time. Sometimes, personally, I feel heavy because there's stuff going on in this world that I, I feel so heavy that I'm almost paralyzed. I'm not sure if you can relate to me. But I just sometimes, I'll read the news and I actually have to be careful how much news I read. Because my heart gets broken in and I just feel useless. I sit on the couch or do whatever and I just like, oh, I don't know what to do. 
You ever feel overwhelmed that you're not doing enough? Or you don't know what to do? So I'm hoping that today when we look at our mission, which is helping people reach their God-given potential in Jesus Christ, helping people reach their God-given potential, power, dynamos, in Jesus Christ. And part of that is the value of compassionate action. When it comes to compassionate action, you know we have two meddling questions that go with every value. Do the things that break God's heart break mine? And am I driven to be God's hands and feet to serve people and his creation? Am I driven to be God's hands and feet to serve people and his creation? So today, I want to do a couple things. First, I'm just going to camp out just for a minute or two in the how we should approach compassionate action. Because I think we see, sometimes we see what we can do, but we sometimes forget it's really important that our how and our actions, so what we do and how we do, actually come from who we are. So if you don't know who you are in Christ yet, or you're still fumbling around and all that stuff, your service and how you serve still won't be as fruitful as if you really know who you are. Because if you stick your neck out and serve somebody and they're actually are not thankful or they're mean, that might be your last service. Because you'll go, ah, I'm, I'm, I don't know what to do. I'm fearful about it. But when you're actually grounded in Christ, then you're getting your marching orders from him and who you are. And out of that, you serve others. Because you guys, let's not lie about it. Sometimes we serve because we might feel better about ourselves. Or sometimes we serve because it'll look good on a resume when God pulls it out of the drawer and looks at it. Ooh. But God loves you deeply and we got to spend time in his presence and let him actually change some of our appetites like my friend Doug, what was happening to him. So here's the how. Mark 6 this is what it says. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. So right there, I want you guys to see that he had compassion. We're going to look at what compassion means in the Hebrew and Greek in just a bit. But he had compassion. He was moved as soon as he got onto the land and he saw that a whole bunch of folks were without a compass. A whole bunch of folks were without true north. A whole bunch of folks were without a shepherd. And we all know that sheep need shepherds. So he began to teach them many, many different things. So his heart was moved. And then he began to teach. Mark 10, 45, which many of you know. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Say it again. For even the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Somebody said this, we are all about self-preservation in our physical life and all about self-sacrifice in our spiritual life. So it's interesting, it's kind of an upside-down world. When Jesus grabs a hold of our hearts, we start sticking our necks out in areas that we would not have had that capacity before we understood who we were in Christ. So, in our series together, we've been nailing down over and over and over again how important it is that you know your identity. Know who you are in Christ. Not by what you do or how much you do something or how much you serve. Not by how much you give when we throw it on the offering plate. Or by what you deny yourself. But that God loves you immensely 
and proved it by sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins. Jesus loves you. Jesus even likes you. You serve and do and act out of a solid, immovable, incredible relationship and identity out of what Jesus did. Period. Period. You serve out of who Christ made you. You do not serve because you want him to like you more. And if you do identify in him, you do serve because that's what people that have a relationship with Christ do. We can't help it. It's an overflow. So now let's jump into the main passage this morning. And I have not done this for years. We are going to go back to the good old authorized version. The King James, my friends. Now some of you are awake. We are going to go back to the good old King James. And 1 John 3, verse 17 to 18. I might need help on some of these words. 1 John 3, 17 to 18, or to 20 actually. The good old King James Version. Here's what it says. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion for him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Nah? It's catchy. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and knoweth all things. So we're going to grab that version of the Bible, and we're going to swing all the way over here to the message, which is Eugene Peterson's um, translation, which is kind of like a commentating translation. And this is what he says. So please keep the King James in mind here. The good old shutteth up the bowels of compassion. And here we jump into the message. It says, if you see some brother or sister in need and have, you have the means to do something about him, and you turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears. And you made it disappear. So let's pause there for a second. I love it because he, Eugene Peterson, is actually nailing down what the King James says. You shut off your bowels of compassion. Here, he, what he said is, if you actually have the means to do something for somebody, but you turn a cold shoulder. So I love this because really what it's showing you is not only do you act, but it's showing you how you do not act and why you did it. So I might not serve Sandra, but actually my attitude and actually cold shoulder shows my insides, my heart, my response to somebody. So it's not just a physical act, it's what's going on in me. And Christ is very interested in not only why you didn't act, but what's going on inside me that I actually turned away and gave somebody a cold shoulder when it was obvious that I should have been serving somebody. So we're going to continue these. What happens to God's love? It disappears, and you made it disappear. My dear children, he says, let us not just talk about love, let's practice real love. This is the only way we'll know we're living truly, living in God's reality. It's also the way to shut down debilitating self-criticism, even when there's something to it. For God is greater than our worried hearts and knows more about us than we do ourselves. There is so much we could camp on here, but let me just say just a little bit. He says that when... So, 
He says, this is the only way we'll know we're truly living, that we're living in whose reality? God's reality. This is incredible. How much of our lives, of our checkbooks, of our calendars, of your hobbies, of your thought life goes to your reality or what you think is reality. And here we have this new reality, God's reality. He's saying, look through my lenses and not through the lenses that the world tells you to look at. And he goes on to talk about some of this stuff when you don't see his reality and when you don't serve, you can shut yourself down. It can become almost debilitating self-criticism. And your heart becomes heavy, which is really interesting, which we're going to look at in a bit. But before we jump in there, the Old Testament word for compassion is racham. So the Old Testament word for compassion is racham, and it's derived from the Hebrew word of the mother's womb. Isn't that cool? So compassion comes from that developing belly of the woman who is with child. And it's kind of interesting. I had a brother one time that said that he's jealous of his wife because she gets to carry the baby. And I've seen birth a few times. I'm not jealous. <laughs> but then I asked a couple other things. And uh, it's interesting because he thought how cool it is that ladies actually have this really neat connection. Uh, like a spiritual, emotional, physical, uh, just a connection that us guys will never understand to the baby that's growing inside them. How cool is that? So the mama cares. The mama pays attention to what she's eating. The mama pays attention to what she's a part of. She's making sure she gets some rest. And you can tell that when a, a lady is pregnant, she's careful also to, gu- to guard her belly and to take care of that little baby that's developing with inside her. So it's interesting because compassion comes out of that in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, a word that sounds almost the same, slachna is derived from a Greek word that refers to the internal organs or the entrails or the heart, the lungs, the liver, the intestines. Kind of gross, eh? (laughs) It's interesting because both words come out of the same ideas. uh, Same idea that compassion moves us to the very depths of our being. You know when you don't do something or you know you should have done something or you did something wrong and it's just like uh, you got a gut ache? Like it's right in your gut? I find it kind of interesting because he's saying that we need to care for others out of our gut. And when we disobey, oftentimes, when we're not calloused yet, but we've actually known that we should be a part of something, we should have walked alongside somebody, and then we have that stress, where does it sit? Often it sits right here, in our gut again. And then he talks about in the last couple verses. You shut off your heart of compassion. What did he say? That, what he says that, Uh, And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure. For our heart condemns us. God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Or in Eugene Peterson says, it can also, it's a way to shut down debilitating self-criticism and calm our worried hearts. Calm our worried hearts. So this heart of compassion comes from the belly or the, the womb. The heart of compassion comes from the very center of who we are, deep down in the depths, which proves to me that Jesus is very interested in our identity, that we get it from him. He's very interested in the how we serve and, in the, and then in, in serving. So we like to fast track and go, just get out there and serve, do something. No, 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 no. He's very interested in 
who you are, how you do it, now go do it. So there's a lot more steps that he's interested in. But we're just looking at the resume and going, well, I did this. Jesus is going, why did you do it? Who are you? And how did you do it? It matters to me. It matters. Compassion is a big, juicy word. I love it. Wearsby says, it's interesting how John uses these words because in 1 John 3, verse 16, he says, he's talking about us taking care for the brethren, which is the plural of brothers. And then later on in verse 17, he goes to the singular and says, take care of your brother. So I don't know about you, but like I was saying at the beginning, that I get so overwhelmed with a whole bunch of stuff that what difference does it make if I grab one starfish and throw it in? What difference does it make if I help one person on the streets of Vancouver or North Surrey? What difference does it make? There's so many. But that little girl nailed it. Her heart and who she was and the compassion she had for a starfish, it made a difference for this one. It made a difference for this one. It made a difference for this one. It's easy for us to talk about loving the brethren and to neglect to help a single other believer. Christian love is personal. Christian love is active. It's interesting, like I said before, that the compassion comes from our belly or a word like the heart. And when we don't step out and obey, that oftentimes that stress or that guilt lies in the very place where our compassion is supposed to flow from. It can be easy to love folks. In fact, today, I'm sure it'd be easy for us to love folks. I could say, we're going to take up an offering for kids in Tanzania, and you guys would take out your, your, your checkbooks, and maybe within a few weeks, you forgot you wrote a check. So it's easy to love those folks, or to send money to those folks yonder. But it's quite another to invest in a person. In a person. To see your neighbor. To see folks that are hurting. To see them. To be moved by people. To pray for them. To walk with them. To look for ways to help them. To look for ways to bless them. To look for ways to be with them. To be with them. Isn't it interesting that a lot of our journey, we're always looking for action, but you know that Jesus throughout Scripture, he's calling us to be with him. How many times, honestly here, how many times would you just like to be with another caring human being? There are times where I walk into a room and somebody has just passed away or somebody's dying. I just got to be. I be with them. There's no wisdom. I can't throw a bar Bible verse. Maybe the Lord will give me one. But sometimes it's just simply presence. We need to be with people. We need to be with persons, I'd like to say. We need to be with persons. Reminds me of that movie, remember? Avatar? That romantic part where they look at each other and I see you. I see you. And that strikes me because within that, so often we see through each other. I used to hang out with Jack. I think I told you this a while ago. But I used to hang out with Jack and people, you know, people walk by and you say, hi. How you doing? You know, they always say, how you doing? And he'd go, oh, terrible, I'm dying. But they'd keep walking. They never knew that what he said, right? But that's why he would do it. 
He would always give a horrible answer, but nobody really cared because they didn't stop and listen. <clears throat> Pay attention to people. Compassionate action. It's not always a program. Programs are awesome, but we really are talking about a human touch here. We're talking about relationships. We're talking about people helping people motivated and, power and empowered by the identity that they have in Christ or by what Christ has done for them. Another good thing is the incredible difference that all of us could make if we would pay attention to persons and not be overwhelmed to the point of doing nothing uh, by the crowd mentality. Often we do nothing because we, uh, we kind of like the illustration. There's way too many, so why bother? Or perhaps you've been really hurt. You may have helped somebody and there was no thank you. In fact, it was just a little while ago we had the bar church barbecue here. Some folks that were living on the streets heard about it and they came and we were all done, but they came inside and where's some burgers, you know, and uh, sorry man, we're out. Uh, oh, here's, here, how, how about you grab a couple drinks and here's some, and they just grabbed it and walked out. It was just like, mm. yeah? But what can happen is you can become calloused to people of their response and then you stop helping other persons because now you have a judgmental view of people. And Christ is calling you to know who you are, to serve, and he's interested in how you serve. Is he saying, now wait around for a good thank you and a celebration because people want to pat you on the back and that's what it's all about? Not at all. And I know this is hard. I'm meddling here for sure. Because there's times where I've been hurt. There's been times where I've been totally offended. But what is he calling us to do? Do it. And how are you doing it? How are you doing it? To love people from our belly would mean that we consider the worth of another person and, and what that person needs. Okay? Not what you need. Because sometimes we serve because we want to feel good about ourselves. That's not what we're talking about here. You see persons and you wonder what does that person need? Charles Seat says, Christ-like compassion administers the right remedy for the needs of others. It isn't just a matter of giving to them, but of giving them what really matters. Compassion requires us to be sometimes tender and sometimes tough. It's hard sometimes to be compassionate. It's hard sometimes to know how to serve, isn't it? Dr. Ray Baker, quite a while ago, did a fantastic small group on boundaries. And I was intrigued when he talked about two words and the differences of them being hurt and harm. How sometimes we can be a part of somebody's life and we can hurt them, and other times we can be a part of somebody's life and we can harm them. So just to give an illustration, if somebody actually has... Um, has a disability or somebody has a, an addiction toward drugs, let's say, and they come to me and just say, Steve, I just need 20 bucks. Steve, I, I just really need 20 bucks and I know this guy's not in a healthy situation. I could give him 20 bucks and that would harm him. But if I withhold the 20 bucks and just say, but why don't we go for lunch? And he might get mad at me or whatever, but I'll just say no to the 20 bucks and he might walk away angry and hurt and cry, whatever it might be. And I've hurt him, but I've not harmed him. So there's a big difference there. But like I said, it's not a program. You can't just think 
every person on the street is the same. They deserve to be there or this and that. Guys, there's people all around us with different stories. And there's no chance that we can approach them with a cart blank or one broad brush. We need to know people and their stories. You need to be moved by who you are in Christ. And then you need to be moved into action. And how you serve is a really big deal. Move to action. It's personal. Christ noticed you. And he met your needs. Do you notice people? Do you notice persons? You know what? Sometimes compassionate action takes forever. So if you think that you can just notice somebody and make an action step right now and they're all of a sudden going to give their lives to Christ and become the next Billy Graham, you might be disappointed. Sometimes compassionate action is a long time of relationship building, of noticing people, of knowing a name, knowing stuff about them, caring for them, moving forward, even if sometimes they bite back. But compassionate action doesn't come because of your relationship necessarily with them, but your relationship, who you are in Christ, and then you're called to serve and how you serve, and now you represent the hands and feet of Jesus as you start noticing persons all around you, and you serve. Richard told me after first service, he remembers this story, true story coming out of Chicago. A story is told of a young and successful uh, executive that um, made some sweet cash. And Josh was pumped because he's driving down the Chicago streets in this neighborhood that he knew that he had to slow down. So he shifts down that sweet rumble of his black Jaguar that's powered by 12 cylinders. Oh. You men, you know what I'm talking about. So he brings her down, he shifts down, and he's loving it. He's paying attention because he knows kids dart out. He shifts down, and now this rumble is coming to a, a little bit of a tame rumble. And just as he's starting to look around, paying attention, all of a sudden, wham! And he, he hits the brakes, and he is mad. Like, he hits the brakes so hard, he slams her in reverse, and he peels those tires, and he goes back to where it happened. He jumps out. He sees a little kid. He grabs that little kid and slams the kid up against it. Do you understand how much that car is, what you've done here? You are in so much, and you are going to pay for this. And all of a sudden, these, these little tears start coming down this little kid's, you know, what? And slowly he could hear and this little boy said, I didn't know how to get people's attention because my brother is in a wheelchair and he fell off the curb back there and nobody was stopping. So, this brick got Josh's attention. And he helped this little boy back into his chair. And then he walked with the chair and with the other little boy all the way back to their apartment. And then talked about the long walk back to his Jaguar. He got back in. And apparently never fixed the dent. Because it would remind him that sometimes the good Lord needs a brick to get his attention. How about you? How about us? Do we sometimes need a brick to get our attention? Is there a dent in your life where you have sensed that the Lord has got your attention? Or perhaps you have a few dents from the world beating you up, which will help jettison you into service, compassionate service for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It makes a difference when you realize who you are 
what Christ has done for you. And he's calling you to action. And he cares a lot about how you serve others. That we start noticing people and not just be overwhelmed by the crowds, but we notice persons. And we step out on obedience and act with compassion in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for this message this morning and for the powerful portion of scripture. And I just really do pray that you'd get us in the gut, help us to realize that we don't have to serve because we want to get in closer with God. We actually serve because we are loved by the Almighty. So in response, Lord, in response, we grow. In response, we start noticing people. In response, we look people in the eye and we care for them, love on them. In response, even if they hurt our feelings, we go back to our creator, our sustainer, and the savior. And we get our identity from you. Father, help us, help us to pay attention. We know that you're at work and we sure want to be a part of it. And Lord, help us to see people, help us to be compassionate, help us not to be in such a big stinking hurry that we realize that there's all sorts of people around us that we're not being a part of their lives, we're just writing checks. Help us, Lord, to see persons, to value persons, and be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ as we're called to compassionate action. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.